Hi, you're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast. I'm Robert Gowan, and joining me as a co-host is uh, Rudy Lindsay. Hey, Rudy. Hey, hey, how, how you doing, Robert? Robert? Good, man. What's going on? Oh, oh buddy, buddy, you know, you know it, man. man. We're just, We're just uh, having, having a blast, blast here getting set, set up for this podcast. podcast. I understand that it's kind of quite cold where you are up there in New York. Man, Man it's, it's bad, bad dude. We just uh, get a bad, bad storm, storm right now. I hope I don't lose connectivity. Temperature dropping, dropping and the wind's blowing. blowing. Yeah, hopefully uh, it all goes well and we'll be able to keep you on board here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, I just want to do a little bit of uh, maintenance for those of you guys that are joining us uh, live uh, and listening to us. Make sure that you create a Mixler account. That's mixlr.com. Create an account on there so that you can go ahead and chat live with us. It'll be really cool. Uh, Scott will be our guest coming up in just a moment, and uh, it'll give a chance for you to chat live with him, especially if you knew him from a former life or if you just want to throw out a question out there. We'll be able to see that right on the Mixler.com website and be able to interact with you right at that moment. So, uh, Rudy, I did want to kind of talk about some of the guests that we've got coming up because I'm pretty excited. I know you are too about some oh, of the yeah, things that we've is, landed. This, this, this is a great opportunity, Robert, for, uh, especially if, if, if I'd like to touch on real quick. If, if, if you're a, a veteran who recently transitioned or getting ready to transition, um, this is something you need to be tuning into, man. Uh, we're, we're reaching out to a lot of different people, uh, just like Robert's about to mention, and, uh, we've got some great information, uh, to help out. Absolutely, man. I tell you, uh, you know, I've been, of course, tweeting about some of the guests that we've lined up for the future. One of those is a couple of special forces guys that love drinking coffee and everything when they're out there deployed. And uh, <laughs> one, I thought it was really cool that they turned that into a actual company. And uh, yeah. so I'm really, uh, really excited about uh, bringing those guys in. Uh, we got another guy that was a Marine and all of a sudden decided to uh, start a, a company and and become a professional race car driver driving Porsches. And I don't know about you, but I'm like a huge Porsche fan. Oh, so man, yeah. I, awesome. I, I really can't wait to talk, uh, to talk to Mark about some of his background and everything he's got going on. But we're going to be touching on so many different subjects on these shows. Uh, we've got a couple active duty military that's going to be coming on. Uh, we've got an executive life coach. A uh, couple guys who were, um, you know, uh, associated with nonprofits, small business counselors. I don't know if I'm overlooking anybody, Rudy, but I think that's, you know, we've got quite a few lined up here. Yeah, we, yeah, got, we, got, we got we got some great lineups, lineups coming, coming up, up, man. I'm excited. This is uh, uh, this is an awesome opportunity, opportunity. Um, and, and, and thank you uh, personally for, for allowing me to help out with it. With it. Um, like yeah, I said, this is something that. that um, you know, you know, we're, we're, we're glad, glad to give back, back in uh, any, any way that we can. can. It's free podcast, free information from some some, some extremely knowledgeable people who've been there and done it. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I think that's the big thing is that a lot of people don't understand uh, why we're doing this. And I think it's a lot of it is to touch on subjects that um, really hit home with um, our veterans, uh, with our active duty military. Uh, if you're looking at transitioning, that's, of course, going to be a major subject we're going to be hitting on. But we're also going to be talking, uh, touching on things like entrepreneurship. We're going to be touching on things like even PTSD, executive life coaching, you, you name it. Uh, we want to make sure that this is the place and the source opportunity, like you mentioned, Rudy, that people come to to hear about uh, the military and veteran stories. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's no BS, BS you know. You know, um, yeah. um, you know my, my background, 25 years special operations, operations that, that, uh, Scott's, Scott's background, especially, especially we don't we don't BS, BS around. So if you've got questions, ask them. If we can't if we can't answer them or can't address them, we'll tell you. Uh, if we can, though, you're going to get the bottom line and you're going to get the truth. So uh, feel free, shoot away. 
Absolutely. So, you know, without further ado, I'm really stoked about our uh, first guest and, you know, the first podcast I did with you. And it was really an opportunity mm-hmm. for folks to kind of hear your background, where you came from, which I think was uh, really great to kind of tee up you as a co-host. But this is really going to be our first uh, opportunity to sit yep, down yep. with the guest. And uh, Scott comes back, uh, like you, with a, a background within Special Forces. Um, so we thought it would be really cool to kind of bring him on board um, like me, he's authored a book. Uh, he's done it in a, you know, unconventional manner where you don't always go out uh, to some of the big guys and uh, get your book published and stuff. So we're going to talk about that. Um, he's a founder and CEO of his own company. And, uh, not only that, but, uh, he doesn't live here in the U S so we're going to talk about that. So without further ado, uh, Scott, welcome aboard, buddy. Oh, thanks, thanks for having, having me guys. guys. Appreciate it. No, yeah, no yeah, doubt. Welcome, welcome Scott. Scott. So let's talk about that a little bit. First off, um, tell us a little bit about where you are, man, because that's going to be a big thing. People are going to be wondering, okay, where is Scott? <laughs> People have been wondering that for a long time. time so, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm in Sydney, Australia. So um, we, my wife is Australian, and we moved back, back and kind of just chose to have the, uh, the lifestyle of the family and the, the kids we wanted. So we're, we're back here. Awesome. You know, okay, I got a crazy story for you. When I got out of the Army, um, I went to work for a company about 12 months later, at first as a consultant, but then as an actual employee. And they they sent me over on a special project um, to Australia. Um, you may remember the mad cow disease stuff that was going oh, on. Oh, yeah. So our raw material for this product happened to be bovine serum. So I flew into Sydney, then on to Brisbane, which Brisbane, uh, Brisbane in September is like San Diego. I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, I think it was what you guys would refer to as winter um, in that time frame or something, or maybe the tail end of it. Um, yeah, so, and what was really odd for me anyway was flying north and going warm and then going down to Melbourne afterwards and going cold. But um, I I got a chance to hit some of your slaughterhouses there, man. Some uh, pretty weird stuff, you know, going right down to the kill zone and watching how things are going on. So that was that was pretty wicked for me Aussies, Aussies typically don't mess around, around so yeah the one that I uh, went to I guess was uh, whoever is your big grocery uh, store that's there uh, they have a uh, their actual um, their the actual place where they do all the uh, processing meat processing and all that kind of stuff that's where I end up going so great people uh, really enjoyed my time there no, it's, no, it's hard, hard not to. So when you guys come back, back uh, make sure you let me know. I'll buy you a beer and you have a couch to crash on. If, uh, oh, really man, absolutely. Well, it's funny that it's funny that you mentioned that because in your book, you know, of course, I bought it, and we're going to touch on that in a moment. Is a uh, a little QR code in the back of it, so I hope to one day be able to scan that thing and get what you called a uh, free beer out of it. So, oh, yeah. uh, it's those, those of you slow enough, enough to actually finish, finish the, uh, the tome and, and, get, and get to the coupon and see it. Awesome. So let's talk about first maybe a little bit about your time in the military because as as I understand it in our uh, past conversations, you and Rudy actually spent some time together. So uh, love to hear about some of your military uh, time. Uh, yeah. Um, anything, anything I can talk about, like Rudy said, I will. Anything else you'll get a nice smile from me that I kind of attempt it. So I enlisted after 9-11 under the 18 X-ray program. So I came straight off the streets and was in the first class of uh, the SF babies going into town. So I already had a degree and life experience and it was in my mid-20s, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it was a night and day paradigm shift for me just massively. But everybody I met along the way just solidified the 
did. That was a crowd of people that I wanted to spend my life kind of working with, um, and just phenomenal. In fact, uh, since you and I have been tweeting, Robert, as mentor for military, I've had three different high school males asking me all sorts of, uh, and God bless them for it, I'm not mocking them in any way, but asking me all sorts of, uh, they want to join special forces after they get their master's degrees and everything else. So um, It's cool to see that there's a, a whole you know youth program out there that they want to serve and want to do the right thing. So I'm trying to give them honest feedback, but you know some of the questions are cracking me up, like how hard is selection and this and that. <laughs> I can't uh, tell you how many times I've had to answer that. <laughs> trying to give them some, some good tips, you know, but mostly I think they feel like I'm cheating them because I'm telling them, you know, it's all in your mind, man. If, if you don't mind, it doesn't matter, you know. If you want it so bad that you'll break and do anything to get it, then you're going to survive. But otherwise, you know, it's not for everybody, and you're not going to, you know, maybe be. But when you do get there, you're surrounded by the best people in the world, and um, it's world class. Yeah, awesome, man. Um, so... Now you did some time with Rudy and and uh, you know him from a past life. So when was that time period? How long ago was that you guys uh, served together? Because Rudy, you got out in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two thousand fourteen. It was. It had to be overseas, uh, uh, Afghanistan time frame. Yeah. yeah. So, so not only Afghanistan time frame with some of the things that you were doing, but. Uh, when, when you were at USASOC, I believe, I was at Marsoc as a federal guy, so under Mark yep. Franken and doing some of that stuff. So, oh, yeah, I remember Mark. Yep. So, um, so standing up all of that program. And it was really kind of cool because I got to go from being a, a, a senior E6, young E7, you know, in SF to, you know, a, a colonel's equivalent of Marine Corps and as a federal civilian, um, not a contractor, and standing up programs and kind of, it was, it was an amazing experience. And, and the guys at Marsoc were, were absolutely doing the right thing and, and trying to bring the ball home and, and win the fight down range. And uh, to take in that, that kind of paradigm that I had from just solely being on ODA, to, to seeing what, you know, programs can do and how they can influence it. And if you're given the right kind of left and right limits, you know, military talk, what you can actually do with the program to enact the changes that, that you see. And then working with, you know, people like Rudy and, and seeing some of the uh, um, the projects stand up and, and the activities working and everything else and see what was going on just was world class. Like, just, I could never, you know, I would go back in a minute if I could. Yeah. Robert, Robert, what's what's really cool is, is, is you know Scott, where he was working and, and, and some of the things that I was involved with. I mean, that's that involves everything from the strategic down to the tactical level, to the targeting an, an individual, a small element, all the way to 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 country impacting things. So it's pretty cool. Countries. I mean, yeah, yeah. it was kind of cool that, um, like, like you said, Rudy, and that's one of the things that drives me insane dealing with kind of civilian organizations. And, you know, we all kind of laugh about, non pejoratively, with these civilian leaders and, and managers and stuff, right? That, um, you know, you and I were making decisions, and this isn't any type of, you know, pat myself on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, call it like you see it, brother. Playing on a field, you know, the general favor, one of the MARSOC commanders used to say those three chessboards that you're playing on simultaneously, the tactical, operational, strategic. The reality was more like six, right? Because you not only had professional three chessboards, you had personal three chessboards. They overlined all the time and then just trying to do the academic and the, and the programmatic um, education of the people. So that's where all my frameworks for my company came up because when I... When, when my wife was kind of at the point of, all right, you've been traveling a lot, and I didn't do 25 years, you know, but, you know, you're gone, you're missing the kids' lives, you know, what are you supposed to be four years, not 13, you know, what are we doing here? Um, I, I took a hard look in the mirror and said, you know, what do I know about anything? And I said, you know, 
crap. crap. It's, it's all, all special forces principles, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's the SF truth. It's, it's everything that, that all this. And so all my courses, all my intellectual property frameworks, and, and everything in the book is just this paradigm shift mindset of, you know, people want to do sales and organizations want to do sales, but we have a targeting cycle. And if you demystify the killing aspect of it, what we're trying to do at the finish phase, it applies. It's just right. You know, everything just, everything kind of syncs up. That, that's, that's awesome, awesome. I, I, you know that's that's that's, 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 that's cool, cool you said that because that, I, you know I've, I've, I've had a lot of the same feelings and the same struggles and um, I, I, I fall back to my roots and what I was raised with and when I would say raised you know when I was 17 when I joined the army and um, everything that I've learned man I've applied and it, and it fits and um, it, it makes sense and it makes people successful. Well, there, there are so many, you know, kind of short, cliche truisms, though, right? But one of my uh, yeah. one of my first team sergeants used to tell me all the time, you know, like, look, we're not training for the last war, man. We're training for the next war. You know, like, let's not revisit the past. Let's live in the future. And that, you know, is, is a young E5. I mean, dude, I got I got the group, and I was an illegally promoted sergeant. You know, Swick messed up and said, in the group and said, hey, it's going to be embarrassing if you guys show up as specialist ranks in SF tab. So here's your E5. One of my first conversation and my, and my warrant was you know like i'm not legally an e5 although i'm wearing this rank and they just kind of laughed at me and just dude you don't even know what you don't know so just kind of sit in the corner and be quiet um but the truisms that i learned and just played with on a daily matter just impacted everything about my life and, and who i am and who my kids are and, and what my relationships are and and just literally how i how i look at the world and it's, it's amazing you know it's, and it's totally different than 99.5 percent of other people out there so yeah, yeah absolutely and you hit the nail on the head there man it's a it, it's a unique breed uh you know we're screened and selected and profiled uh, specifically for these jobs and you know it it, it pays out in the end man and if you apply uh, everything that scott's talking about it it works and um it, you can do some you can you can achieve some pretty amazing results from it you can so i mean my my, my next book, book is my, my big one. So Ground Truth is kind of articles and stuff that I release and want to get kind of the thought process out there. And as a keynote speaker talking to corporations and stuff, sometimes you, know, you just need credibility. It's a self-published book. But um, the framework that one of the courses that I came up with was a CEO course, and it's creating a legal organization. And you know, it's based off the special force principles. But the model that I came up with, Rudy, I think you'll, you'll like it, is to see and act, right? Because if you yeah. see where you want to act on that, which is select, educate, empower, analyze, communicate and trust you're going to thrive because far too often you know sf guys you know, if we're not at war if we're not deployed if we're not doing some mission operational somewhere we're training to do a different mission you know, somewhere else so that education is ever present and ongoing but that doesn't exist in, in corporate america or in corporate australia or in corporate uk or in corporate anywhere it's all absolutely and then just kind of prey upon the skill set that they had historically and not give them new skill sets. And it's, it's, you know, it's anachronistic to me. I don't, I don't understand it. You should employ these guys to the best of their abilities. So that's something I wanted to touch on because I know that, uh, well, first off, when did you make the transition? Was it 2013? Uh, I left government service in 2000, August 2013. So okay. I moved to Australia. Gotcha. So uh, when you did that, did you go directly to Australia? Or was it, did you have a period? I, I had a couple months kind of, kind of arranging, make accounts, and getting LLCs. 
something. But yeah, but yeah we, we were in Australia um, January of the next year. So I, I spent some time with my older brother, who's kind of a life coach, and very successful. Um, works for JP Morgan. He's done very well in life. So I kind of bounced a lot of business ideas off of him and, and kind of solidified my coursework and, and forged that roadmap ahead because I thought I'd be able to do that while transitioning out. And, and that's one of the, the lessons, Robert, I know that you probably would, would second as well, that you think that you can double tap and do all these things simultaneously. And if, you know, transitioning a whole set of, you know, seven or eight programs of record under U.S. SOCOM to a new federal employee who doesn't really know what you're doing. Um, that's kind of a soul service, you know. You're not oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I, and I refused to leave anywhere without a good kind of turnover or whatever. So, um, so it took me a little bit of time to realize that that was my own worst enemies at point as well because I wasn't doing things as I would counsel others to do, and I was kind of doing it as I was above the law or I could do this because I've been doing that. Um, in reality, I needed the, the first couple of years of getting my, my butt kicked in the business world to, to find that out truthfully. Yep. Yep. So, like, um, what was the hardest thing that you found then in making that transition? Because, of course, did you start working directly with government employees or did you start working in the private sector or both? Private sector almost only. So, um, I, I kind of, there's a lot of administrative backbones that go with getting any type of defense contract and stuff. And some of the big players in the field, you know, I'm not going to name all the companies, but Rudy knows exactly who they are. They, they've got established legal teams and, and you know, um, what's the term that they use? Um, uh, positive history of employment and all this other stuff. So I, there was a very big push for me to kind of come in and try to steal some of those contracts out from underneath them. But in reality, that was performance. Yeah. Past performance, that's yep. what I was looking for. But, um, in reality, it would have been a massive financial hurdle for me to try and do that. So I, I kind of just... I severed the stakes and said, all right, I'm going to go after the private only because, you know, I'm not, obviously there's there's secrecy and everything that special operations touches and, and does. And, you know, I've never once violated any of that, nor, nor will I, obviously. But, um, you know, I think civilians need to benefit from this a lot. So I kind of came into it with a, well, of course civilians will want to hire me because I'm a special forces guy. And I need to tell them my background and they'll be signing me checks. Right, right. <laughs> you know, but that that's so funny because uh, I think that's... Um, I think that's a lot of people that make the military transition anyway. I mean, they, they have a feeling that, one, maybe there may be a sense of entitlement uh, yeah. based on what they've done for our country. And then, two, there may be this sense of I'm better than those in the private sector or what I've done is equal to. And it may be from their perspective that being the private sector, they don't see things the same way. Robert, Robert you hit the nail on the head with that. that. And there's a, there's a healthy skepticism as well with, you know, you don't want to be the private sector guy that hires a Green Beret to come in and tell you how wrong you are and how foolish you've been in all your decisions. And, you know, so, um, and, and that's a very real hurdle that I had to do, right? Because what I was, you know, me being me and this whole blunt guy and, you know, again, working at the program level that whatever I said kind of went, um, that same bluntness doesn't carry over so well civilians, even though I can mask it with a Ricky Bobby, you know, with no respect or whatever, right? But, um, you know, so, so people, and then there was a sense of entitlement that, and I think that, that sense of entitlement gets more, you know, kind of higher with the more tabs you have on your shoulder, right? But, um, and Rudy's got more than I do because I don't have to. <laughs> I don't know. There are some guys out there that actually are just people in general that just actually feel because they um, serve their time that there's a sense of entitlement. So, I, I, you know, one of the things I touched on in, in my book was really about um, trying to make sure you understand your peer group, making sure that you understand who your peers truly are, because we have a 
in some mind uh, and sometimes a false sense of reality as to who we think might be our peers. And so when we go out there and actually start um, measuring what we've done against them, we might find that we're not quite in the same spot. Um, so I, I think that you guys definitely, you know, in special forces, um, I got the luxury of working together alongside you guys or having guys that, uh, were in, uh, Rangers and those types of things working for me. But, um, I, I never, I got injured and everything, never got the chance to do that. Uh, but I, I think there is, there is definitely a respect level in the private sector for what you've accomplished. And because you have that long tab, they automatically know um, some of your capabilities. It's just then I think a matter of how do I apply that and show how that works within the private sector. And I'm sure you've ran against that challenge. And I don't think, honestly, many corporations, and I'd definitely say in Australia as well, um, I don't think many corporations know how to employ a guy who is, you know, like, like Rudy said, right? And as you know, who is selected, trained, and assessed purely in his ability to operate independently and to, oh, yeah. to be a free thinker and to do this, right? So we don't really fit a mold, if you will. So, so I think that the civilian organizations around the world have this kind of mental paradigm that military guy, whether you're Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, or whatever, if you're a conventional military guy, then you are regimented, you have a nice haircut, you say sir and ma'am a lot, you salute a lot, you have a rigid posture, and you can show up and do the right thing, and, you know, but then you get into these, like, special operations guys, you know, Rangers and PJs and SF guys and SEALs and whoever else, and they don't know what to do with us, and there's this kind of, uh, I want to buy you a beer mentality, and I want to hang out with you, I want to hear some of your stories and stuff, and God bless you for serving, but there's this skepticism of, I'm going to keep you over there as well, because are you a killer, are you an assassin, are you any of these things, all these right. Hollywoodisms that come out there, right, are just alive and thriving, and it's, it's total baloney, but, you know, I mean, in reality, they'd be blessed to get anybody that ever wore a uniform, because they understand the bigger picture, and they understand how to fit in part of a team, whether you're conventional or unconventional, um, but they just don't know how to employ us, and, and how to look at us, because we're different. Yeah, yeah, excellent points, because I think that um, that's part of the hardest thing in my mind is trying to make, when you talk about making that transition, first off, it's that communication aspect of it, but it's also trying to show how you're really going to add value to that organization, because they don't understand who you are, what you bring to the table. They truly don't. You nailed it, Robert. You nailed it right in the head. Is What value are you bringing to them? It's not what are they going to do for you in a payment for your 2, 10, 20 years of service. It's what value do you bring to the organization? And how do you you know, describe that value to them so they understand it? And it's not military, but how do you transition? And that's one of the things that I really kind of you know combated with myself was, all right, I got it. I know what I can do. Um, I think, you know, others know what I can do, but I'm not selling myself because I'm not showing people what value that I bring to that. I can say all day long that we have an unconventional mindset and that we think of things differently, and all three of us in this call will nod and say, yeah, that's a very true point, but to a civilian guy, he goes, that's, that's almost scary, man. I don't want an unconventional viewpoint. I want a guy that fits in, so I can say, well, I'm a great team player. We were, we were a great team player on that field, but does that field necessarily align with this field, right? So I think people just need to put first and foremost that you need to offer your employer value before they, they want to write you a check because they're doing you the honor of paying you every two weeks. Absolutely. So so tell me a little bit about the Kinder Group because, of course, not only did you establish a company, but, company, but now you're having to go out there and try to market yourself 
your company and what they bring in terms of corporate strategy. And we can do a whole show on that because there's a there's a big difference between military strategy and corporate strategy oh, and how yeah, they think. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've always been... You know, again, all cards on the table, right? And I'm, not, I'm a pretty humble guy, but I've always been pretty decent at identifying strategy and then putting the roadmap. And I was well taught, right? Like, I mean, everybody, uh, you know, the Legion of the Special Forces group are amazing teachers. And, and so that's caveat number one that I kind of had to take a closer look at myself and go, all right, what are these truisms that, you know, these 140 character tweets that I can send out all the time, right? Like, what are these SF truisms that I really know and that I believe in my inner soul of souls? And the first one, right, is that SF guys are teachers, right? I mean, we, we, we're, we're, we're amazing teachers in the most horrid and horrific circumstances possible, whether it's, you know, teaching a third world military, you know, how to do up drills and, and engage targets or combat assaults and, and company level raids and, and whatever, or, you know, advising Iraqis or Afghanis on a military target in wartime or whatever. The teaching is just alive and well and ever present. So I said, why, Why am I not kind of embracing this teaching mentality? mentality? You know, the easy thing for me to say is I'm going to go against NEK or I'm going to go against these guys or I'm going to go against these guys and, and I'm going to combat their past performance because I know all their truths and what they're doing, the good, bad, and ugly, and this and that and whatever. And then I went, that's not really me. I want to teach people and I want to, I want to advise them and allow them to become elite. So I, I took a whole a year in and I also made a horrific hire. Um, mistake in judgment from another fellow soft guy who I thought would be a, a great operations guy, and it turned out not to be the case. Um, so, so I've made many an error along the way as well, and luckily, you know, through, through good counsel and in a belief on the, the hard right path that, that I've survived so far, at least. But um, it's been ugly, man. I mean, it's, it's horrific and it's challenging, but. At, at the end of the day, day I get to look back and go, this is what I want to be. And one of the things I thought was, you know, I can build corporations in Australia to be a consultant and get, you know, seven to $10,000 a month for a three-month contract to do that. But then the reality hit, after doing a couple of those, that I can't really change any corporation in three months because they don't want to change. They don't want to do that. So if I don't have a positive experience on the outside of those consultation gigs, then they're just going to badmouth me in the community anyway and say, well, Scott promises in 90 days. And again, and again, what can you do with a corporation in 90 days, right? So it was kind of a, a false set of parameters that was it. So now I said, I could design these courses and the kinder group can come in. And if you give me one day of your time, I can give you a hellacious training day from anything from intelligent nonverbal communication, body language, creating an elite organization, conflict resolution to, to you name it on my course catalog. And I can come in there and I can really make inroads with your guys because it's a finite engagement. I go in there for one day and then I offer you chances of follow up with me for three months afterwards, afterwards and, and I can charge more than the competitors because I'm different, right? So um, the guy I follow on Twitter and is a good social media friend of mine, Mike Weinberg, said, you know, before you deal with anybody out there in a sales environment, he's written New Sales Simplified and Sales Management Simplified, great author, great guy, and I would suggest you guys get him on this because he's a huge veteran supporter. Um, he said, you know, what problem are you solving of a client? What offerings do you have to solidify those and help those problems? And then what are your differentiators? So for an SF guy, that's where I thrive, right? Because I understand your problems. I look at it through a whole different lens than you're going to look at it. I give you these offerings to combat those problems, and now here's my differentiators, right? I've got a decade plus in special operations that 
governmental program level down team guy that I can come back to and give you access to quality guys to solidify those differentiators. So that's when it kind of hit home to me, but again, this has been two years in the process of being an entrepreneur that have been just painful. And I jokingly tell people in Australia that a lot of times, you know, being an entrepreneur is more difficult than combat, so... You know, it's funny because uh, there's a lot of truth in that, though, because uh, a lot of people don't understand just trying to start up your own company. You're not going to probably make a profit in the first year anyway. But if you're trying to do something like you're doing, you're trying to not only sell yourself like we were talking about, you're selling your company. They're seeing you as this assassin. And it doesn't matter what level you could be in whatever position within the military um, you know, and they're going to view you differently, automatically walking in the door. So they're going to go, okay, what can you bring? Um, I think probably the hardest challenge you had was getting your foot in the door, like most of us anyway. But once you got in the foot in the door, I would imagine your personality, your mannerisms, your confidence, the things that you, you bring to the table, um, that those intrinsic, you know, values and those things that you bring to the table were probably what were, made you different and set you apart. I'm thinking. I, I wasted, Robert, I wasted a lot of time chasing networking events, chasing, you know, just people that want just to throw business cards at you and make it rain, you know, just to get, however, I think they had a complaint on how many cards they could get rid of, you know, as far as business cards to you. And they never want, so I, I, I joined a BNI network in Sydney and I, I went to these breakfasts every Wednesday and sat there and told my 30 second power speech about how I could help all these organizations and whatever. And it all just went because nobody heard it, right? It was all just this lens of that's just a military guy. And everybody, every conversation I had follow up was. Boss, you must be very regimented for military. I'm like, of course I'm regimented, man. I'm oh, I, I hate that. I absolutely hate that. That's the first thing that they think is, of course, that you're a very structured regimental, especially as a leader or manager. Yeah. Flexibility is critical. I mean, uh, and it sounds, Scott, like you've applied that. You know, you, you, you've, you've run into some speed bumps, you've flexed, and um, you've overcome them. Uh, Rudy, that's the beautiful thing, right? Like the... That's the best thing about me knowing myself and being self-aware is it. I'm not afraid, even when I was at Marsoc and there's a million dollar exercise in the line or whatever, if we weren't getting the intended results, I was never afraid to just kind of shift gears and go, well, how do we fix this on the fly and go real quick? So I think that adding value to a corporation and then being self-aware enough to say, well, these are my strengths, but I'm not impervious. I also have a lot of weaknesses. Um, you know, a lot of Australians don't like it that I have a beard now. You know, a lot of Australians that, that I wear flip-flops to in my kids' school all the time that they come up. You know, I'm like, if you don't wear enough boots and dress shoes in my life, like, if I can get along with wearing flip-flops now, I'm going to. And again, it's just it's part of being true to yourself is right. without trying to sell yourself I think, I think that, that one, one thing that will, I, will I will say, any special operator who's looking at transitioning, they're, they're going to be amazed that most organizations look at them and realize how non-regimented, how flexible, and how casual that they are. Um, because that's the life that we live, right? I mean, that, it's all first-name basis. It's all dude and this and that and whatever. But it's, there's, a, there's a machinery underneath that that's honed in professionalism. And that machinery is, is well-oiled, right? So we... We have, we have beers, beers we can look cool, cool. and, and you know, Robert, Robert, you guys have seen a lot of my tweets mocking, mocking you know, SF guys and hands in pockets. We're our own worst enemies a lot of times. 
Yeah, but that was that. In some cases, I mean, you, I don't know. You kind of earn that right. You know what I mean? Uh, you you've kind of done what you need to do to get there, uh, for sure. Um. So, okay. So let's talk a little bit about some of the leadership and executive counseling stuff that you do. So when you think about that in terms of trying to work with leaders and executives on trying to apply themselves and make themselves better. I see that same type of, I, I see that applying itself as well to our military transitioning off of active duty and trying to improve themselves, as we mentioned, to make their value add better as they're seen to the private sector. Um, so what are some of the things that you kind of do in order to bring out that in um, in the individuals within your classroom so that they they, they know how to present that, I guess, uh, and that confidence. Um. So I'm not sure I'm going to answer 100% on, on the nail on the head, but I'll, but I'll try. I think that, you know, I mean, we jokingly refer to ourselves as trained observers all, all the time, right? So, I mean, when, when I go into a corporate classroom and and I see people, we can tell who's kind of on their, on their iPhone or BlackBerry on the side and just doing nothing and, and who's kind of had to be there from the boss and, and which, you know, kind of invested stakeholders and, and shareholders they were. So, I think that, first of all, I read voraciously. So, I, I constantly I have a, my Kindle in my hand and I'm trying to download any new book I can on leadership and management or whatever because it all fits. It's hand in hand, but that goes back to that special forces kind of educational processes all the time. I don't have the luxury now of having the company warrant officer sending me to some high-speed school because it was a last-minute gap on the B team, right? So now I have to do all that education on my own, identify my own pathways, and I don't have a team sergeant, a team leader, and a warrant to do it, do that all for me and groom me. Um, but so I think that a lot of the um, the methodologies to which I identify those people within training is just, you know, make the training relevant to them and, and be I keep going back to it, but to me it's somewhat simplistic, right? If you're if you're self-aware enough to realize it, you know, one of the things that I definitely know is, you know, and I'm, I'm famous for always asking everybody, I, I, I'm a huge believer in after-action reviews and AARs. Oh, yeah. Um, everything that I do, I'll ask. So the, the best story on that that I have is when I first went to Marsoc is this GS-13, you know, federal level, you know, program manager guy at a, a pretty famous within the Marine Corps ops chief that worked for me. And he, he was amazing, right? Um, great dude. And I won't embarrass him by saying his name right here. But all these, we go to all these meetings and I would say like, hey man, what did I, what did I do that good and bad? Oh, no, no, it was great. And so I knew it wasn't great because I was pissing some people off and trying to push some roads and, and do everything else. But, um, Finally, after about six months of him working for me, we'd walk out of the meeting and go like, man, the general did not like it when you said that. And he was sort of like, ah. So I had to stay the course and realize it. You know, I'll do the same thing now. I'll ask my wife who's in the other room, hey, what did you hear me say that was horrible? And I'll, I'll email you guys and say, what could I have done better on, on the call, guys? What would you like to see differently next time? Um, so, so just being aware that not everything that you touch is gold. And sometimes you're going to say something stupid or do something stupid or, or just enact something stupid. And then you have to just be willing to adjust that plan and take a hard left when you have to. Yeah, you sound like me where you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning going oh god did i say that and then start psychoanalyzing so what i found scott was guys like us who are willing to do that step up and out 
they get things done, man. And, and you know what? There's a there's a level of respect that's earned and, and remembered because of that. Um, and, and, and I mean, you're firing on all cylinders right now, brother. Um, everything you're talking about, everything you're describing, I've I've encountered myself, and and I can tell you, man, it is spot on. And and I think what's critical, and you're and you're touching on it. For those guys, for those guys trying to transition, or gals trying to transition from the military into the corporate world, or or small business, or what have you. It's, it's it's the the, the whole key to, to be able to self analyze you know touching back to your ARs, to be flexible and and define you have to bridge that gap which I'm famous for saying back in my military days we got to bridge that gap between between the that military regimen and you know a, a, a free flow uh, a work environment um, or whatever work environment you're dealing with um, it, 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 you're spot on brother no I think that another thing you know we. You don't, you don't go through everybody, everybody again, again it's all recent in my, my Twitter feeds, right? But all these questions about the Q course and whatever else, and I find myself saying out loud in Twitter and social media, these guys, you know, and, and again, God bless them. If they're listening, I'm not mocking any of them. They're asking great questions, and I'm proud to, that they would come to me and ask me the questions. So there's, there's not my caveat. Right, right. You don't go through the Q course or anything remotely similar to the Q course, whether it's RIP or BUDS or anything, any program like that, and not understand that you're going to fail, and you're going to fail for horrifically and it's going to be as painful as a very imaginative cadre can make your life be and it's all in preparation for future things right so i'm absolutely not scared of failure because again it's like it's an objection or a, um, a barrier in body language right if i don't see you an active barrier i can't remove that barrier from the conversation and i'm going down this path that all the so it's good. It's, it's only when you start, you know, burying up and doing all the things that, that I know to look for as that trans observer. So, so I, I want failure. I want to. I want to. At the end, is you can fall down six times, just get up seven. You know, exactly. so so many guys, and my brother who I love, my older brother being one of them. He, he just he was a West Pointer, infantry officer, everything else, and I respect him more than most people in life. But he has this massive fear of failure in, in, in his personal, professional life, and you just gotta accept it. You just gotta have it. That's right. The last perfect guy walked the earth two thousand years ago, right? So, right. Right. You're not perfect. You're gonna fail. Like it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Success. No, it's spot on, brother. So, so, so Scott, let's, let's let's back up a little bit, man. Um, and, and, and if anyone's tuning in, um, let's, let's try to we'll structure this in a way where it kind of flows in a timeline. Um, let's back up to your transition and and at what point and and kind of talk briefly about what you did to prepare for that transition. Um, I, so you were at the time you were you were running some programs and you had a lot on your plate. You had a family you were taking care of, and all of a sudden a light bulb came on. You know, you know, and, and, and what, what, what kind of led up to that? that? And, 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 and then once, once you made your mind up, up say, okay, you know, I'm done. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pursue a new path. path. Um, what, are what are some of the steps you took to, to prepare for that? that? Uh, so, so, so it, some of it's in ground truth in a couple of articles, and more of it comes out, right? So I'm not assuming anybody's read the book. But so one of the things I realized that I wasn't as happy as I should have been at that point in my life, right? You know, I think that. To be completely blunt and all cards on the table, I had this, you know, I'm running around 20-year guys and retirees and whatever else, and here I was at X-Ray that somehow had this dream job of running programs from Marsoc, right? So, so that was always kind of first and foremost in my head that I didn't deserve the job or whatever, and that self-doubt was very real. Um, so I, I, I communicated my desire um, for the, the 
resources of the programs and the goals and the strategic objectives of the programs to anybody with clearance enough to hear what I had to say. And then I also kind of communicated early and often. Once I decided through talking with my wife, and it was upon return from Afghanistan, she kind of sent me down with my favorite cigar and glass of wine and said, what are we doing? You know, like, I don't mind what we're doing, but... got to get the amenities right. Yeah, exactly. The trail one day, so it's supposed to be four years. We're going on, you know, well, it's a decade. Like... And it was an ultimatum. We weren't getting divorced. There wasn't anything really dramatic. But, you know, we had laughed for, for months. This is all back to the story transitioning, right? We had laughed for months that I was gone 75% of the time through exercise or training or deployments or whatever. And so she said, you know, our son's going to be 10 soon. And if we do the math, we would have missed seven and a half of his 10 years. We're gonna, and we blinked and that timeline that happened. So once I did that mental arithmetic myself and said, oh, I don't. No offense, no offense to the guys that don't know their kids, but I don't want to be that that doesn't know my sons, and we had another young son as well. So once I made that decision kind of mentally, and I flipped that switch internally, um, and I was laughed at at Marsoc, because I go around and say, like, hey, I'm not putting in my two weeks, I'm not, you know, transitioning now, but I'm going to quit, I'm going to leave, and I need you guys to, and I had um, a retired, you know, you know SWIG Sergeant Major that was the assistant ops guy at Marsoc as well. Um, great dude, he, he kind of will be the carpet, said, you're not quitting you're making great money you're doing stuff you're running these programs you're doing this stuff but you know i would i would communicate it early and often and then i started designing that plan and then i started trying to get some wins and figuring out what i could do um and then just get that business model in place and so the, the very simple things that we all like to overlook well, i'm an sf guy i don't need a business plan i don't need a business model i don't need this right i don't need goals i'll just kind of wing it and figure it out like i sat down in and i put all those things on paper and then six months later i threw them all away and started again and then six months after that threw those away and started it's just that ability that malleability that flexibility that you have to have so but once i decided that i was going to transition um i made sure that every eye that i could possibly uh, and every T I could cross was crossed before I bounced. And even then, that was probably a good 14 months. If you talk to the guys back in Warsaw, they'll tell you. It was well over a year of me saying, I am planning on leaving. I don't know when, but I'll give you guys as much notice as possible. And when I left, I left up on good terms and three months notice and everything else. So I didn't just, you know, kind of give them the big F you and bounce. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was still difficult, and it was just that, that, that stubborn ability to, to look at the roadmap and go, if I want to get to Sydney, Australia, and have even a reasonable chance, I need to have money in the bank, I need to have my plan, I need to have goals, I need to have this, and how do I enact all that? And again, that ability though, is to kind of shred all that stuff and say, now where am I? And it's taking that honest, self-aware look because... You can't, you can't look at yourself with rose-colored glasses. You know, you got to have an honest and self-aware vision of where you are and who you are if you're going to succeed. Constantly improving your fighting position. Always. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so, so networking, you know, I imagine, I imagine networking uh, played an important part of this as well as it, it probably does today. Um, you know, on a, scale of, on a scale of 1 to 10, Scott, how do you weight the ability to network and, and leverage those networks? Uh, a 12, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> 12 or 14. I mean, you're only as good as the people you know, right? And, and, and all the other stuff. And, and I'm very happy, you know. Like we know each other for a bit now, off and on, and, and getting to know Robert and seeing you guys. And all constantly improve your fighting system, right? Constantly improve your networks. 
constantly talk to people. Some people, you don't have any idea if they're ever going to bring anything to your table. And again, it's that false expectation that we all have, this quid pro quo in life, that all right, I'm going to talk to X and he's going to give me Y because I did this with him. And there's this whole expectation. But when you just kind of throw the expectations out the door and realize that you can give advice for free and that you can give some of yourself out there for free and that there's this whole kind of you know karmic reward system out there that will eventually catch up to you um it'll happen you know you just gotta have faith in, in what you're doing and unrealistic unrealistic expectations of your network and time are going to kill most entrepreneurs because again i can i put a post up on linkedin i've got 1500 linkedin followers and connections right i put a post up on linkedin that maybe i slaved two weeks over like oh this is my best new post the best the best 1000 words i've ever written that came out of yeah. 100 likes and no new copies of my book sold from it you know so when at first when i would write these articles i would go oh, everybody's going to see the genius of scott and they're going to see how differently i think yeah with microsoft or google and i'm like swimming in cash and money and yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right on, man. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with, I'm with you there. <laughs> so what what do you think that you bring to the table? What was the, I mean, you talked a little bit about your special forces, but there were other aspects that you basically brought to the table that, that not only people within your network that you uh, knew you well, but also the private sector noticed. So what were some of the skills or, um, you know, the, the talents or whatever that you brought to the table that really helped? I, I think the, and again, just, just a blanket, blanket statement, right? I'm not trying to be proud or, or, or obnoxious or anything. I think I'm a pretty well-rounded guy. I, you know, a degree in poli-sci and finance um, led to a short career at Morgan Stanley in their back office operations, you know, both in Chicago and New York. And then as my brother was leaving business school, he had an idea for an internet startup in the dot-com days. So that took me to the Caribbean and then we transitioned that company to Australia where I met my wife. Um, so I, I think that you know, I, I lived in Chicago, New York, the Caribbean, Sydney, Hobart, Tasmania. I lived all over the place, grew up in the South, got a whole bunch of different you know, um, experiences in the, in the professional world as well, from the financial, Morgan Stanley, uh, to internet startups and computer certifications. I, I gleaned through those um, kind of you know, certificate, uh, Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer, Cisco Certified Professional, and then just tying a nice bow on all that with the SF thing in the military, I think that honestly and absolutely bluntly, that just made me the well-rounded guy that I think gives me the ability to go into companies and say, you know, maybe it's one of the things I'm looking at is webinars in the future, right? So taking my training online so that I can say, for 25 bucks, you get two hour body language class and it's how to make a great first impression. And we can do all this stuff and you come online and you can't hire any K or all these other huge corporations come teach you that stuff for anywhere near, you know, a hundred of that price. So, so I want to expand my community, expand my networks and do that. But I think it's the, the tech background with the financial background and then just having the SF background in the networks. And even if it, with that stuff, right? Like the Special Forces Group team time and then MARSOC for government time. So I got further exposure and further kind of, you know, paradigm mental shifts as to what I was doing. And I wouldn't be the guy that I was without that programmatic level experience and running around having Marines call me sir and stuff. It was absolutely terrifying and, and writing, you know, non, you know, NCOERs and writing all this stuff. Terrifying. I was an officer. I was the warrant officer, and all of a sudden I was in this position to do it. But it was adapt and overcome, you know. And, and that's me in its essence. It's just figure out your operational environment, adapt to it, and, and rule. It. 
So you hit on two things because you came out and it sounds like you cut your teeth in a different environment. And when did you find your passion? Was it beforehand you knew, but you knew you had to have a stepping stone or was it, you know, you didn't find really your passion until you went into the finance world? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I still don't know what I want to grow up and be, right? I mean, um, <laughs> does, does any of us really, honestly? Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I love helping people. Yeah. And if that ability to help people, and I think that's the SF thing, right? I didn't, I liked Morgan Stanley. I didn't love it. I liked the dot-com and the startup and moving around. And, you know, I like challenges. I love challenges. I love starting new things and doing all that. Um, so, and I think that's why I was a, a good fit at Marsoft because it was a brand new slate. And they, and they gave, gave me a marker and said, all right, draw this thing, man. And, and at first I went, I'm not qualified to draw. You know, it should be a guy like me. Yeah. I like, you know, all these other things. I understood my operational environment. I looked at it and I said, I'm going to overcome these fears and I'm going to not be afraid. And once I made that mental shift to not be afraid, that's been the passion of designing new things and stuff coming out. So that's why I love my upcoming book, book Boom, right? My, my upcoming book is because that's a framework, right? Like I love um, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and, and Lee Fabin, the book that just came out, this two SEAL guys from Ramadi. Awesome book. I love Team of Teams by McChrystal, right? Awesome book. I mean, all these guys are writing all these awesome books. But I have something that I think bluntly is, is not just these theoretical ideas and like, all right, here's decentralized command, an example of how we do decentralized command. I think that I'm bringing the ability to give everybody a framework that says, see and act, select, educate, empower. And there's obviously some sub-trees within all that. I won't get into the book right now, but if you see and act, we are select, educate, empower, analyze, communicate, and trust. Trust is the biggest one. You got trust in the path. You got trust in the strategy. You got trust in the leadership. If you got to, but we don't, we don't do it right. We're all too happy to kind of be that cancerous person at work that just complains nonstop about how messed up everybody else is, or the C-suite, or this or that, or whatever. And as a consultant, I can come in and, and kind of unmess up the C-suite and do that, but. What, what real effects is that going to have, right? I mean, you, you, you want, want a paradigm that everybody can benefit from. Uh, yeah, spot on, man. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Moving on to, uh, so, you, so you've been in business for a while, Scott. You're, 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 you're still growing, obviously. Um, you're, you're still pushing the, pushing the envelope, uh, growing this thing. What, what would you say the, the number one thing you would look for in and uh, somebody, somebody someone transitioning, transitioning from the military, military. Uh, uh, as, as far as character, character traits or, or backgrounds or things like that, that. you know, you being, know being a business owner, uh, the corporate things. Um, I mean, the easy one, right? Like, there's an inherent trust between all military guys within each other, right? Like, we can all sniff each other's butts, and maybe you weren't in fifth group, maybe you're in third, or maybe you're a conventional guy, or maybe whatever, right? But there's a whole busted thing, too. So the character and the integrity being kind of close to a small default comes to play with any, any military. I have an easier stepping stone trusting a prior military person, especially a combat veteran or whatever, right? Just because that's who I am and, and what I'm with. All right, well, if he's done that, then I can probably trust him to do this. But I, I think that having been burnt by a friend who kind of has some self so hearts and stuff before as well. I think the character and integrity just you have to be able to prove that you have each, right? I mean, you have to be able to say, 
Okay, okay, I'll sacrifice for you and show you this because I can't just predicate prey upon this inherent trust that we're supposed to have with each other because we're both long tappers or because yeah. we're both in Savannah or because of whatever, right? So I think if you're transitioning, just get out of your own head um, and, yeah. and quit thinking that the world owes you because you served for two or 20 years um, and realize that you still got to work. Like, and, you know, life's going to kick your ass. It's going to absolutely destroy you. You let it. Um, so you got to you have to hustle. And John Acuff, I just finished uh, his book Do Over. Um, great book. He's got you know son of a Christian preacher. You know, totally different, non-military guy at all. Very funny and kind of caustic wit. But um, character and hustle. He talks about the same thing. You know, if you have relationships, which is your network, and you have character and you have hustle. You're going to be all right because you know. And if you don't have hustle, then you're going to be the one-hit wonder band. So you got to keep working for it. You don't, you don't just, just get a paycheck because, because you showed up and impressed everybody that you had tabs on your shoulder. Yeah, yeah no, no, spot on, man. That integrity thing's key. And that's something, you know, I've been challenged since I've been out. I've been challenged with integrity issues and people wanting to either either hear a training of the or helping someone out, they want to hear something that's that's false. They want to hear an overinflated budget plan, or you know, an underinflated budget plan, or something to that effect. You know, that's something that I learned early on, and and I stand like a rock, and I will not violate that integrity. And I think that's that is probably the most critical attribute that someone can have. And if you've already got it, by all means. No, I agree, and just you know, a lot of my friends, especially people getting to know me here in Australia, and as I make new friends and, and do whatever, kind of laugh because you know I'm just overly blunt sometimes to, to tell them something or identify them, right? But I'm like, look, you know, I'm not criticizing you because of this or whatever, but if you hand me a poop sandwich just because you paid the gold, doesn't mean I should. Just <laughs> It's just other things, things right? right? I'm, I'm famous, famous in, especially with the Marsock of saying, like, I hate it when somebody tells me, well, I wish you wouldn't have said that, or I wish this, or I wish that, or I wish we could do this. I'm like, all right, man, wish in one hand and poop in the other. Yeah, there you go. Like, quit wishing. Wishing doesn't do anything, right? Like, you got to do things and just act. Like, quit thinking about it, quit wishing about it, quit complaining about it, and just do it. Not, Not to be, be all Nike and all these stories, stories, stories back to back. back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? It's, that's it's ironic. ironic. I was getting ready to say the same thing. I use that phrase all the time to the point that my wife's like, hey, you need to stop saying that. that. Like, no, it's true. You know, I get, I get tired of hearing people whine and complain and, and they're stalling and not doing anything. I'm like, well, I wish it was this way. I hope, you know, I hope for this to happen. It's like, stop, man. Hope in one hand, crap in the other, which one's going to fill up first? Come on, do something. You know, it's funny because I tweeted about the book Execution. Um, I, I, you know, that book is actually a really good book as well for business people because uh, it talks about some of the problems that, you know, in the business world people have in terms of coming up with great ideas, great thoughts and everything else, but they just don't know how to execute it. Well, that's something a lot of people in the military are very good at. We know how to execute a plan. It's... Yeah. 
Um, you know, it's about creating a good solid plan that's going to be effective, that's going to add value, you know, whether that's shareholder value, whether that's value to your organization you're working for, whatever it may be. But I agree, you, you've just got to take the initiative and get out there and do it. The ability to execute with the ability to improvise near lethal, you know, I mean, you're out there owning an operational environment and, and you know, that's the situation. All these military truisms, right? Situational awareness, operational environment, knowing your battleground, all of these things, right? They're just, they're what make us us. And if we can just translate those other people and say, look, it's not, war is horrific, right? Like, and that's a lot of things deal with civilians as well. Like, everybody goes like, how were you impacted by war? Do you have PTSD? Do you have this? You've been in combat. I'm like, ignore all that, right? Like, those are my problems. I'm going to tell you that I can apply those lessons that I forged through trials and training for combat and combat itself, and I can apply those to you without any bloodshed. Like, I promise. Nobody's going to kill themselves. Gonna... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be okay here. Do this, but just you got to understand your operational environment. And once they make that switch and they go, oh, you know, R3 compliancy, right? If you right partner, right location with the, the right capability, if you, you know, something that, you know, when SF chooses missions to go down range and, and MARSOP chooses missions to go down range, is that mission R3 compliant? Are you choosing the right partner? Is he, is he in the right location? And, you know, I'll argue that location isn't only geographically. Location is within your budget. Location is within your strategy and your timelines and everything else. So if you take kind of a holistic look at R3 simplistically, like as a business, are you R3 compliant? Which, Which of your customers, customers, you know, like soldiers, soldiers right? And, and I never was a squad leader, rangers, or whatever else. I'm, I'm not playing the old Sarge card here at all, but 10% of your guys take up 90% of your time, right? No matter what level of infantry or wherever you are, there's always those troublemakers that do it. Customers are the same thing. So if, if you're not trimming the fat on your problematic customers and you're devoting 90% of your time on wasted baloney and hoping that something is better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you're doing the wrong thing. You're doing the wrong thing for your employees, your wives, your your partners, your spouses, anybody, anybody attached to you. You're doing the wrong thing. So you just need to take a better look at things and are you R3 compliant? Keep preaching. Listen, man, I read your book, uh, you know, so let's talk about that a little bit, The Ground Truth, because there's a lot of stuff in here where you, you know, when you read a book, sometimes you want to have the aha moment. You want to be able to read the book and go, man, yeah, I, I see it, that aha. And then there's going to be a lot of things that's sort of like bringing back those memories in your brain of the dust that you created on top of them. Um, I found both in your book. It was a really good book. Um, I really encourage people to go out and get it. Um, you can get it. I got the hard copy. I, I don't really care to be one to, to read it on Kinder and all those other things, but it is available in that format. But let's talk a little bit about your book. What made you want to write this thing? Uh, I, I love writing. If if I were if I were to say if there was one thing, if I could be a full time writer and and publish books, I I never knew I liked writing until I actually started doing it, and I only started doing it for credibility for the company, right? Like, all right, I'm now the CEO of the Kinder Group, so I need to show them that I can put words on paper. I'm not just knuckle dragging SF guy that's going to come in here and hurt somebody, you know, or or tackle the CEO or something. So I started writing, and then you know I, I realized I genuinely liked it, and I wasn't very good at it at first, and it took way too long and, and it was horrific so I kind of had to learn and, and trim all that but it was uh, it was a new adventure and, and I, I liked it quite a bit so then trying to get to these keynote speaking environments and stuff everybody say like oh where are you published and there's a couple magazines in Australia that, that I got published and I'm like ah, I'm not really published so I said 
screw it. I'm going to publish a book, you know, and, right. and everybody said, like, you can't publish a book. And, and it was a painfully, as you know, Robert, a painfully horrific process. Yes. And when I hit submit and send to Amazon for that final thing, <laughs> somebody was ripping out my, and I was going to get, I was going to have Rudy calling me up and emailing me and laughing. <laughs> Hey, I'm going through it right now. Yeah, Rudy, Rudy's writing. See what you're talking about. Yeah, Rudy's <laughs> writing a book. That's exactly. Uh, that's it's slow yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's horrific. But I, I, I loved it. it. And then you know, um, I, this is an honest to God statement. When you said earlier, like I owe you a review, I'm like, oh God, don't. So I want people to buy it. I want it to be out there, but I never want to hear anything about it. Right? I want it to kind of be like my ugly stepsister or something. Right? Like it's just, it is what it is. It's out there. Like you guys just, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm one of those that I really want to feedback. I want to know, okay, how bad is it? Um, I do, but it, but it terrifies me. It I had probably, terrifying. well, see, like you scaled it back. I had actually probably, I don't know, 400-page book that I I went to somebody and they're like, you've got to scale this thing back. I mean, my God, this thing's like, you know. novel. Yeah, it's too <laughs> thick. There's nobody going to read this thing. Four or a piece. piece. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, you there, you there you go. Well, that's no, great. That's just, yeah, so I've actually got... Three, three more, more books, books coming out. out. So Boom, Boom is my next one, one which is a CNAC model and creating a lead organization. And I've been teaching that course for the past two years and honing that course. And the book is a result of you know, applying the principles and doing it. So that's what I'm absolutely... It's, it, I, all cards on the table, I think that's a game-changer game book for, for me. Um, I, think I think that's, that's going to be the book. book. Um, and then I'm, I'm writing a book on body language, how you use to increase sales or whatever. And then I'm actually probably not the right time to announce it, but I'm starting a kid series as well based on kind of the you know the principles and stuff and experiences that I had and make it friendly for the problems that my, my oldest son's tall and he's going through a lot of stuff. And I find myself telling him these non-combat stories, right, about you know hills and training for SFAS and, and all these other things, you know, like, like why, why you never, never quit, quit. Why, why they, they never, never tell me they're, they're going to quit because I can't stand quitters, you know? Like, like there's so all these, all these isms out there trying to make a kid series about it and then get up to something. That's a good idea right there. That's awesome. Yeah, that is cool. Somebody's going to beat me to it now, so. Rudy has a really good concept as well, so of what he's coming out with. And again, I love the fact that you're kind of taking something that's not just you know, I wrote about combat and yeah, you know, that everybody, you know, most, most military, military guys, guys get out and they want to tell their story, story right? yeah, shot them in the face or, or make a movie or, or you know, same, same way, Scott. I, I, I want to do something different, man. I wanted, I wanted to, to understand my operational environment, you know, I, and I'm, 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 I'm busting into the fishing industry. So I'm, I'm a huge fisherman and, uh, you know, I wanted to reflect back on my 25 years because there's, you know, obviously a lot learned there. And, and, you know, you know how, how does that apply to fishing? You know, it, it, and that's, that's, a, a, that's a hard thing, thing for people to wrap their head around. But it, like, like you're saying, man, it's, it's very easy to do. If you, if you understand your, your uh, environment and, 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 and there's, there's a requirement for that. For that. You know, my, you know, my book centers around uh, stress mitigation. So, you know, we've done a lot of pretty stressful things. And, you know, I use a simple example. Stress, stress is stress. It doesn't matter, man. I don't care if you're a, a 12-year-old like your son in high school getting picked on by a bully or bringing home a bad report card to dad. Um, if you're a cop taking a percentage shot on a, on a drug dealer or a hostage situation, if you're a bearded guy like us going into combat, kicking in bad guys, I mean, it doesn't matter. Stress has the same physiological and psychological effects on the body. 
Well, well I, I wanted, wanted to apply, apply that to tournament angling. And, and, and there's, there's, a, there's, there's, there's an extreme, extreme amount of stress, stress when, when, when you, do you do that for a lifestyle, for a living, living and, and, and you have to be successful in that tournament to put food, food on the table or to pay your mortgage or what have you. So, so I'm taking a lot of the, the uh, a lot of the experiences that I've had and, and uh, a lot of experiences that friends have had because mine's a more of a Reader's Digest version um, where I've got a lot, lot of different authors contributing and we'll, we'll take and uh, they'll, they'll, they'll talk about a stressful story or situation, a uh, short story, and at the end of that I'll compare and contrast and tie it back into, into tournament angling and hey, this is what worked, this is what didn't, and and you, and you know, know what I found was a lot of the same principles that, 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 that we're all three familiar with, with and that most military people are familiar with, with apply to, to a lot, lot of things. things. And, and, and that's how I'm bridging that gap, if you will. And, and uh, I've, I've, I've had a lot of really great feedback so far from, from it. And, and um, I'm, I'm only about uh, 75% finished with it, it but uh, it'll, it'll be coming out here pretty soon. We took a vacation a couple weeks ago. We said fishing in May or August for fish. And, and, oh, man, man, that's it's awesome. It's cool, cool. I mean, so, so we, we caught it, and he was you know, getting ready to be also, and he said uh, he was uh-huh. just so pumped, pumped up, and he kept saying, I'm like, So it was such a cool experience, man. But again, back to turning mainly, right? That's a huge stressor. Something as simple as training like the fight. You know, we put our most training scenarios ever went through way worse. Person, you know, combat or whatever, because all Mercy Murphy could go wrong, Murphy would go wrong in the training. So train like you fight. You know, you can't train in peacetime conditions and then go to combat and thrive. You can't just fish on a lake and then go to a tournament and own it. You know, and then there's food on the table. Stress definitely impacts you. So another, another thing that I talk to clients a lot of times is, you know, I'm almost in this life coach thing, which I, I hate the word life coach, sadly, but it's like, you know, how do you compartmentalize stress and just worry about what you should be worrying about and getting rid of what you should be worrying about, you know, because if I were to worry that a stray sniper shot every time I was in the turret of a Humvee, you're rolling around, Todd, you never look out of it. I never would have left the team room, you know, like I always would have paralyzed me. We get this, you know, now this is paralysis. We get this just absolute terror and worry. Control the things you control. If you can't control it, put it in this box and worry about it later. That's right. That's right. Spot on. All right, man. Well, we're going to be uh, wrapping this thing up. So what I do want to do is talk a little bit about those books. What's the timing of those? What can we expect for some of these books to be coming out? I'm hoping Boone's ready in the next three months. So that's my big one. I'm putting time on it every day. Um, so that probably means six to nine months, but I'm hoping for three. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, though. It's all out the window, right? Um, no, so I'm hoping they come out. And then uh, I'm looking at a, um, the big kind of fork of the road for the kids series. Is do I want to illustrate it or how, what age do I want it? So I've got one um, one of the cadre that is Nathan X ready to go through um, special ops prepping conditioning before we were allowed to go to SFAS, which is assessment selection. But um, we had this cadre, and he wasn't, you know, some, Some of my friends were 12 of us in the X-ray course, and, and they had these guys who looked like Rambo come over, you know, and I was like, yeah, these are green guys here. Like airborne school and basic training, right? But um, my guy came over, and he looked kind of like me, just, you know, frumpy and, you know, this and that. And he took us out on the bottom of this hill, man, and just ran us up the hill and walked down. And just I used to be terrified of these hills. But, but then, then I went to SFAS and I was just owning guys that are runs and stuff. You know, it was such a simplistic approach, and that God, that was 
way, way too long ago to remember, um, and, and, and I, I don't even remember his name, McAdry, sadly, but if I were to see him, I'd buy him as much beer as you could drink, because that guy on such an amazingly strong level. And that's, and that's what, what so, so the first kids book is called Hills is coming out. Um, and it's about just realizing and having to adapt to what you're afraid of, and then just overcoming that fear and just run the hills anyway, knowing that there's some positive ones. Tying it back into networking, Scott, uh, whenever you get ready and you're if you're interested, man, I, I know a really good illustrator, um, and who's who's illustrated for kids books before, so yeah, reach out, reach out, man, and uh, I'll get you guys tied up. Cool, I definitely will, so. And then I'll tell you the same thing, like, if I make an offer, feel free to take me up on it, so I will take you up on it. There you go. So how frequently do you make it back stateside, then? It was quarterly last year. I had a biotech company that is going to change the world, but they're going through some shifting and stuff that it's going to be good. These guys are awesome. But I don't know what the timeline is, and they're kind of merging into some other stuff. So probably February or March I'll be back. And I know you guys are here in Atlanta, and Rudy, you're up north, but I'm in Atlanta. So oh man, you're gonna have yeah. to hook me up. Yeah, let, let me know when you're within this area. I'll come down to Atlanta and meet you there for sure. Uh, I'm probably about 30 minutes outside the city center, so nobody really lives within the circle too much. But uh, exactly. yeah, you know how it is. Yeah, uh, you are good for the beer anyway, so I owe you. That's right. I've got my copy here. Uh, I don't have the QRF scanner, but I'll go ahead and load that app up on my phone so I can scan that bad boy and make sure I get it. So. Oh, that's great. That's great stuff. Well, yeah, we'll definitely have to have Rudy down this way anyway. So he's already looking at uh, Peck. All over, man. I'll be glad to. Yeah, man. That's what I was talking about. We'll have to definitely get the three of us together. Uh, we'll love to have you back on the show again here in a couple months, especially whenever the book starts coming out and the whole bit. We can. Uh, Take this whole thing in a different angle for sure. And, uh, and I'll be a chat um, listener for future shows. So oh, awesome. I'll be asking questions or whatever. I, I sincerely appreciate you guys having me on. And anything I can do to help in the future, uh, I hope I didn't talk your ears off too much. But uh, no, man, it, was, it was perfect, Scott. Um, hey, where, where can uh, somebody find those books? On Amazon? Yep, Amazon's easy. So it's both ebook and hard copy on Amazon, just Underground Truth or under my name. So. Okay, okay, right on. on. And then how about uh, how about a website for the Kinder Group? If if somebody's tapped in and uh, and is interested in, in following up with you uh, specifically uh, regarding some of your courses that you offer, uh, how can they get a hold of Kinder Group? So I have thekindergroup.com, and that's kind of going by the wayside. Do some rebranding into scottckinder.com. It's on my my Twitter hashtag and social media, Instagram, everywhere else. So just scottkinder.com, and you'll have all the access to the books and articles and thoughts of the day and pictures and whatever was my fancy at the moment. So you got it, brother. Awesome, man. That's that's great. And of course, uh, Scott C. Skinder, uh, Kinder. Um, is the uh, symbol on Twitter as well. Uh, so make sure you follow there. Of course, we've been tweeting out um, your kind of uh, um, you know name and everything. So hopefully people will be able to follow you and um, you'll get a good following there. And of course, they'll read your book as, and also. So um, Scott, once again, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, seriously, we'll, uh, we'll take you up on the beer offer uh, when next time you're in town. Um, and uh, I'd love to talk to you offline about that biotech thing since I came from that environment. Love to talk to you about what you're doing there. Uh, it might be some, yeah, it might be some friends that I know that uh, we may be connected more than what you think. So uh, look forward to that conversation. Um, again, anything you guys need, just reach out and let me know. And anything you got there for it. 
Well, thanks for taking time out of your day, because this is Monday at 1 o'clock, so you have to tell us, uh, well, I guess it's 2.10 there, your time, is that right, in the afternoon? Yeah. yeah, so you have to tell us how Monday is, because we're going to get there here in a couple hours, so I guess it's okay my, then. My, my, my kids, kids are all mad, mad at you, because I took them to after school or school care, care today, because I'm like, you guys can't be running on summer, summer holidays, but I said, yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. can't be running like monkeys in the background, we'll try to have Oh, oh man, I'm sorry we took you away from your family, I had no idea, you should have told me I, I, I need the break it's, it's good, good trust me so uh, <laughs> I need all right, man. Well, thanks so much again for uh, being on the show. And for everybody else that's joining, uh, please make uh, sure that next time you join up on Mixler.com, that's M-I-X-L-R.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you in the future, and you can join in on the chat at those time frames. Uh, we'll be coming at you next Sunday, same time frame at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, look forward to seeing you guys then. Again, uh, for Rudy, uh, this is Robert Gowan. And thanks so much, Scott. We'll talk at you next time. Thanks, Scott. Yep, yep later, later, brother. brother.